Welcome to the Cinema Rack, where we celebrate the greatest and worst in Hollywood films and their most self-indulgent narcissist actors, directors, and producers. Here, we'll laud and malign Hollywood's seedier elements with levity and humor. They love cinema as much as anyone does, and they've been talking about it for over 30 years. Time to get trashy. Here's Gregory and May. Hello, everybody. This is Gregory. And this is May. And welcome back to another episode of The Cinema Rag. We hope you're doing well today on this Wednesday. Today, we're going to continue the actor versus actor series into two titans of comedy, Ben Stiller versus Jim Carrey. Now, if you're new to this feed, I definitely recommend you check the back catalog. There's hundreds of episodes, and this is probably our 10th or 11th actor versus actor. In the past, we've done Christian Bale versus DiCaprio. We've done Julia Roberts versus Sandra Bullock, Affleck versus Damon, and a bunch of other ones. So I will be championing Ben Stiller, May will be championing Jim Carrey. But before we begin, this episode is likely coming out after I gave my take on Best Picture Winner, Everything Everywhere All at Once. And if you haven't listened to that episode, I, I recommend you, you go listen to it. May is a big fan of this movie, so I wanted to give her some time to discuss why she likes this movie, and I'm not going to interrupt or retort to any of her arguments. I think my arguments for why I thought this movie was good but not best picture-worthy, I, I think were well fleshed out in that 30-minute episode. So, May, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. Great. Okay, so I'm going to give you a couple of minutes, as long as you need to tell us why you loved that movie and why you thought it was deserving of Best Picture and why you thought the actors in it were deserving of it, if you thought they were, and then any criticisms you did have of the movie. Okay, well, first off, Gregory, I just wanted to say that I do acknowledge your right to hate the movie. So um, I, what I didn't really like was that you were hating on the movie, meaning that uh, your thesis was that the film won the Oscar, Best Picture Oscar, only because of its race. Okay, now before you continue, race. before you continue, I know I said I wasn't going to retreat, but I need to clarify my argument. I didn't say it only won because of race. I said that race was definitely a factor. Okay, I, all I right. Hate the movie. Okay. I didn't hate the movie. But I, yes, it does hail an all-Asian cast, except for Jamie Lee Curtis as the best supporting actress. Okay, before you continue, um, another clarification. I did not hate this movie. I thought it was okay. I just didn't think it deserved best picture. But I did not. Well, you were it. just very, you were very passionate, uh, passionate about it. Yes. 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 Go and ahead. And I didn't quite agree with some of the the speech that you were saying about it. Um, I believe that it is an outstanding film that breaks all paradigms. It's groundbreaking. I'm not taking your opinion personally, but I do take your your speech about it personally. Um, your vehemence and your your bias toward Kate Blanchett over Michelle Yeoh, um, which hardly anyone bothered to see that Kate Blanchett's our film actually. Um, and it's not your opinion that I'm against, it's really your tone and the way in which you voiced your opinion which makes all the difference. Uh, you spoke so passionately about the film and you shouldn't waste such energy on an incendiary speech like that. I don't agree with really. Um, How was that incendiary though? I don't understand. I just It was very incendiary. It was very inflammatory what you were saying about uh, the progressives. And I think you mentioned something about Jew guilt or something like that. 
Um, I don't agree with that. Um, you spent about a good 10 minutes just bashing the film for its Oscar unworthiness. And you think it would won because of just the progressives. You even said the film had accolades throughout the circuit. Yes. Even BAFTA praised it. Yes. And this movie does have merit on its own with or without its Asian cast. And I told you that I did see Tar and I think it's actually a pretentious film and progressives uh, progressive too. And Blanchett overacting as usual. So I do think Yo deserves it. Um, okay. And Tar happens to be the same film that your progressives voted for to be nominated anyways. And as far as Jamie Lee, I am happy for her, but I agree that Bassett or Shu are more deserving. And uh, no, I totally disagree with you about the whole race factor. Um, it's a great movie, just like Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon is a great foreign movie, but Lost yes. to Gladiator, an overrated movie, albeit a good one. I agree. Crouching uh, Tiger should have won Best Picture. That right, year. you do agree with Absolutely. me on that. Absolutely, absolutely. Yes. It's a everything movie. did not win. Everything everywhere did not win because of the woke movement or a call for diversity. It won because it has merit and picked up momentum from the award circuit, just like any film does, regardless of race. And I, I just think you were just so egregious about it, and so so wrong about the race factor. Um, it just. I don't know, but I mentioned Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon because that film was over 20 years ago and mm -hmm. nobody ever questioned its Chinese cast or its merit back then. And then you have something like Parasite, mm -hmm. uh, which has questionable merit, but it's still a good film. And now we have everything, everywhere, all at once winning just because of race. Um, yeah, well, I, get it. I know that's just one factor for you. One factor. Let me finish by saying that I had no expectations prior to seeing this movie. In oh. fact, I knew it was going to be a crazy ride, but the story is so unique, the acting so great, and, and sure, it borrows from other films, but overall, it is a superior film for its innovation and well-developed themes about universal love across a multiverse along the space-time continuum. Uh, any race or culture could have been put in its place and the film would have won, in my opinion. And, uh, and I will say that I am a proud first-generation Chinese-American, and I don't think that should, uh, that should take away from any of my comments that I just made. I think, I, all right, let, let's continue. All I'll say is like, if it was an all-Mexican-American cast, because I am Mexican-American, I would still think the movie was average and overrated. But okay, I, I and I totally disagree. It's not average. It's above average. All right. It's an excellent film because, you know, okay. look, it's got 93% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. That says a lot. I, 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 we've been friends for 30 years. I wanted to bring you on so you could express your love for this movie. And so we've both expressed our opinions. You're always welcome to do a standalone episode and, and talk of 30 minutes on why you love this movie. And I will always love you. I just don't agree with you on this movie. And, and look, again, it's not the first time we disagree on something. For example, you think Claire Danes is a good actress. I don't think she's a good actress. And there's a lot of these. So I just wanted to bring you on. So let's, are you, are you done? You feel good? Yeah, yeah I'm All done right. with my report. All right, let's get to Stiller versus Carrie. All right, so we thought this would be a good pairing because they were both titans of comedy, really late 90s through the knots. I think Carrie probably was bigger earlier than, uh, than Stiller. I mean, you look at the year 94. I mean, that is crazy for him. 
He has Ace. Well, well you're, you're going to cover his, his major films in a second. Um, I, I don't think their comedy is the same. It's a different type of comedy, but we thought that there were no two better comedy actors to pair up better because they were both iconic in the 90s. Now, before we go to their major films, and we're going to put a limit on this because I noticed the last actor v. actor, we spent too, time, too much time chronicling their films when everybody listening already knows their major films. But what is what was your first impression of Jim Carrey? Like, what do you first remember him from? Well, I first remember him on television when he was in Mad TV. Uh, I believe that it was Mad TV. Um, in Living Color, in Living Color. Oh, in Living Color. Sorry, Mad yeah. TV. Sorry, in Living Color. Yes. In Living Color with J-Lo and all the girls. The okay. Fly Girls. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Fly Girls, right. He, he was great on that show. And he followed through with uh, The Mask. But of course, he did Ace Ventura, Pet Detective first. But yeah, he's, he's incredible. Um, he's got great physicality, great everything as far as his emotional, uh, the emotional gamut goes. So, okay. Um, okay. well, we'll get yeah. to his, we'll get to his range in a second once we flesh him out. My okay. first memory of Carrie is uh, in Living Color when he did the fireman guy and all the skits. I mean, he was just, just like, who is this guy? He did do the comedic circles before that, but I think that's when I first saw him. My first memory of Stiller was Reality Bites. He did have that show on MTV, but really Reality Bites was such an iconic movie for us Gen Xers. And for me, since I grew up in Houston, that movie was filmed in Houston. And if you guys haven't seen it, it's the classic uh, Winona Ryder is living with bad boy Ethan Hawke. And they have this simmering thing going, but they can't admit to it. And then Ben Stiller kind of represents the bourgeoisie guy who really likes Winona Ryder and uh, he represents the more stable albeit somewhat boring guy and Troy play, play Ethan Hawke plays Troy the kind of loser hipster poet quoting slacker type is always making fun of him and in retrospect I'm definitely gonna do a dad corner on reality bites but I don't want to spoil my take on it here but that's where I probably first saw him what about you when do you remember when do you first remember Stella? Yeah, I, I agree. I remember him in Reality Bites, um, okay. but not having much of a role, really, compared to Ethan Hawke. Um, and he seemed funny enough, but I didn't really take him too seriously, really. Back well, then. you know, his role in that was not necessarily being the funny guy, because that movie's not really, it's meant to be kind of this anecdotally funny. It's kind of a dramedy. You got Janine Garofalo and Ethan Zahn, Steve Zahn, I should say, they're both very young and they represent the four people living together. And I mean, you remember when this movie came out, it was like, oh my God, Winona Ryder, Gen X movie, awesome. Oh my God, you know, Ethan Hawke from Dead Poets and Before Sunrise, you know, it was a big movie for our generation. Yeah, it was because we were both in college. And yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. definitely remember it, yeah. All right, so really quickly, I'm gonna go through Stiller's filmography i'm just gonna hit his major major works because unless you've been living in a closet i think everybody here knows his work i again i my first remembrance of him is is in reality bites and he directed that movie you know it's i think people forget that before that he was in the ben stiller show and that was on mtv and that that's kind of lauded as a great kind of skit show and then uh it only lasted for a year and then he went on 
to do mostly movies. And I, as I mentioned before, Reality Bites to me is his first big one. Then after that, he does Cable Guy. He's got a role in that, but that's not a major one. That's what, of course, Carrie's one of Carrie's major movies. And then you got Zoolander later on. Or I should say something about Mary in 98 with Pete Cameron Diaz. Uh, that is a Farrelly Brothers movie, iconic, of course. Um, yeah, I, it's not necessarily a movie that I that I would go back to watch, but you know it, it is iconic for him. Mystery Men is a '99. That's kind of a funny movie where all these people think that they have real superpowers. Then he does that strange rom com, Keeping the Faith, with Ed Norton with the the blonde hair and Jenna Elfman. You remember how big Jenna Elfman was 20 years ago when she was on Dharma and Greg? That's a strange rom com. And yeah. I mean, parents, of course, is iconic. I mean, that movie holds up. That's 2000. Zoolander, the original, is arguably one of my favorite movies. Ten Royal Tenenbaums, you know, we, we both have strong takes on Wes Anderson. We're not a big fan of his. As Asteroid City, which just came out this summer, didn't really get good reviews. Royal Tenenbaums is typically considered one of his better movies. Um, Stiller's good in it. I, I'm just not a big fan of Wes Anderson. Then he goes through the frat pack period with, Vince Vaughn and Farrell and all those guys. He does Starsky and Hutch. He does Dodgeball. He plays the the nemesis. I think he's very funny in that as the former fat guy turned gym owner who hates on uh, Vince Vaughn. But I think he's really great on that. Then he does Night at the Museum in 2006. I'm not a big fan of those movies. I think they're more geared toward kids. Then he does Heartbreak Kid in 2007. I, I kind of like this movie. It's a remake. It's got him with Malin Ackerman, and then he marries this girl who he doesn't know that well, and then then they go on a honeymoon. He falls in love with Michelle Moynihan because he realizes Malin Ackerman's kind of crazy. Then in 2008, just, I mean, it, this movie is going to be the movie for him when he dies. Tropic Thunder, he writes this movie. He, direct, he writes this movie with uh, Justin Thoreau and then directs it. It is just iconic. You can give your take in a second while you think about it. I think it's one of his best movies. And then as he gets into the mid-2000s, his, his run starts tailing off a little. Tower Heist, not that good. The Watch with Jonah Hill is not that good. The Night at the Museum and Zoolander sequels, not that good. And then near the end of the decade, he starts doing more of the dramatic movies, the Meyerowitz stories, which is fine. He does that. And uh, he starts doing more of the directing stuff like Escape of Danamora and some other stuff. But I, I think if you look at his Imperial run, it's iconic and it holds up really well. And we'll talk about kind of like why Stiller is so be beloved. But which, what's your take on Stiller? Well, I think Stiller has had a very successful career, both as director and as, a, as an actor too, a comic actor mainly. Um, I mean, I do think Tropic Thunder is probably his you know, his masterpiece, probably, I guess, if you want to call it that. Um, but yeah, he's just been on a lot of, a lot of different films uh, over the years. And I do really remember, um, I remember clearly um, the Fairley Brothers movie with Cameron Diaz, Something About Mary. Yeah. 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 That, that, that's an excellent film, but that, he did a good job too in that. All right, give us the Jim Carrey four minutes. Hit his classic night. I mean, nobody's had a better year than his 1994, where he had three movies over 100 million. 
dollars grossing. Go ahead. You got four minutes. Well, he started off with in 1994 with Ace Ventura, Pet Detective, and that really put him on the map because that was actually a very successful movie box office wise. And then also he's in The Mask with Cameron Diaz, and he's just incredible in that film. Um, you know, everybody knows that film already. It's iconic role. Um, Dumb and Dumber, I'm not a very big fan of. But yeah, I guess a lot of people really do love that movie. It's <laughs> yeah, also, no, you and uh, I don't. You and I don't. Yeah. yeah go yeah. ahead. And then he's in a couple of sequels with Ace Ventura again and Dumb and Dumber again. And then on Batman Forever, he plays the Riddler in 1995. He plays the Cable Guy in 1996. Uh, liar, Liar. I actually did like that film. He plays a lawyer, I believe. Yeah. Um, named Fletcher Reed. And that's actually a pretty pretty decent movie um pretty funny and then he comes out with a more serious film in 1998 with the truman show uh about a man whose whose life is being filmed um for everybody to see basically and you know it's an okay film but i'm not a huge fan of it um he also plays man on the moon he plays Andy Kaufman yeah. uh, in 1999, and a lot of people thought he was robbed of the Oscar nomination for that film. Um, well, you know how I feel about that. Imitations should be their own Academy Award nomination. Imitations of real-life people, I don't think, are yeah. Academy Awards for Best Picture, but or Best Actor. And then he also plays The Grinch, How the Grinch Stole Christmas in 2000. Yeah. So, again, he's, he's bringing in big bucks for the studios, um, me, myself, and Irene in 2000, Bruce Almighty, he plays Bruce Nolan in 2003, which is another decent film, I think. Um, I think he plays kind of an infomercial type guy um, in that one. And then, of course, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Moon, I believe. Spotless Mind. Spotless Mind, right, um, in 2004. Uh, that he stars in with Kate Winslet. I think he does a great job in that. He was also told to have um, been robbed of an Oscar for that one too. Or he yeah. has been. You got about a minute. Um, other movies, he, he kind of falls apart after that, I think. Fun with Dick and Jane in 2005. Yes, Man, which is a funny film where he always says yes and then everything comes true in 2008. Um, Mr. Popper's Penguins in 2011, Kick-Ass 2 in 2013, Kids, a short in 2014, Anchorman 2 in 2013, uh, The Dumb and Dumber 2 2014, Dark Crimes in 2016, which is more serious. But other than that, he hasn't really done a whole lot. The last thing he did, did was a music video for The weekend. Well, don't, don't forget Sonic the Hedgehog. He plays the villain. And uh, I mean, he, th that movie is largely propelled by IP. But I mean, that those were two big movies he's done the last three years. Oh, OK. Sonic the Hedgehog and Sonic the, the Hedgehog 2. OK, right. 2022. I never saw it. So, yeah, because you don't that's have just, That's it for me on that one. All right. So Jim Carrey. OK, so. Here's my opening arguments on these guys. Perry is an acquired taste. I don't think anybody can deny that the guy's got talent. 
his talent is frenetic, right? A lot of energy, especially if you think of his early work, like The Mask, Dumb and Dumber, very, a lot of physicality, a lot of physicality. And he's brilliant. I just find his, his humor not to my taste. And it's one of those where I can acknowledge he has talent. But I think a lot of his talent, he's kind of like those old school comedians where a lot of his talent is born out of sadness. And I think in his life, and we'll talk about this in the personal life in a second, like women he's dated and so forth. He's one of those guys where if you've seen him interviewed, he's kind of like Will Ferrell, really subdued. Like you expect, oh, Jim Carrey's going to be interviewed. He's going to be all over the top and be like the mask or, you know, uh, just one of his, the Grinch or something like that. And he's just really subdued. And I just think that he's got some darkness in his humor. And we both agree, Dumb and Dumber, that movie should have been, and I think this is going to come out before the 10 movies. Why does everybody love this movie? Because these movies are horrible or whatever the corruption of that title. Dumb and Dumber, I do not get that movie. I think it's such a stupid movie. And it made so much money. And they even had a sequel that came out yeah. a few years ago. We both don't like that movie. And yeah. I think Carrie is a decent dramatic actor. I think Eternal Sunshine is a great movie. Winslet carries that, but I think really Jim Carrey carries that movie. And if anybody's ever been dumped, can relate to that movie. I mean, Gondry directs it, Kaufman writes it. You've got two excellent performances. Winslet gets nominated. Carrey, I don't even think it's nominated. No, he gets zero nomination. And I think this is one of those where when people think of his, his dramatic roles, they think Truman Show first. Then I think maybe they think The Majestic. Then maybe they think of this movie. But to me, Eternal Sunshine is his best, I would say, overall acting performance. I, I think Man on the Moon is a very excellent performance of his as Andy Kaufman. But yes, I know that you don't. You have your separate biography category for that. Because you're imitating. You're not creating a character. You're okay, all right, all right. You're I imitating still think that's his good performance. Okay, so what's your take on, what's your, do you like, I, I know you don't really like his humor. Just so you guys know, May and I never talk about what we're going to talk about before. And it's all kind of spontaneous. But I, I, I know she doesn't like Dumb and Dumber. So what, why don't you love him? Like, why isn't he in your top two, three comedians of the last 25 years in terms of comedic movies? Just don't think of him really. I, I do think that he is a dramatic actor too. Um, he's he's good in Yes Man. He's good in Liar Liar. Um, he's good in Bruce Almighty. Um, the Mask is really not my taste, but yes, it is an iconic film. So and then and an iconic role. I I don't know. He does have a dark a dark personality though to to him. Yeah. And we'll talk about that later with his personal yeah. life. So. so just so you know, we got 10 minutes left, so we're going to have to speed this up just a tad. Uh, let's get to the part that I always like. Could this person do the, this other person's role? So I will go first, okay? Could your boy, I know he's not your boy, Jim Carrey, but could Jim Carrey have done Zoolander? Yes. I think so. <laughs> I think yeah. so. It'd be a different take on it, but I think he could have done Zoolander. Mm -hmm. Could he have done something about Mary? Yes, but it would be a totally different interpretation. 
the reason for this is Stiller typically plays the simp, as we would say in the red pill world. If you look at all of his major movies, he plays the loser guy who doesn't have luck with women. This is played out in Something About Mary. This is played out in Heartbreak Kid. This is played out in a lot of his like classic works. He's kind of like the outcast who doesn't get, he's kind of like a simpy dude. And so I don't think Carrie pulls off that I'm a loser simp kind of character as he well. Does, especially when he's doing Dumb and Dumber. I mean. Well, I mean, yeah, but I mean, he's dressed up like that. I just don't see him in Something About Mary because Something About Mary is kind of a straight role. You're playing kind of the straight man and everything around you is kind of crazy. And I just don't I think he, he would do that role um, as well. I just don't think he would do that role as well. Probably, yeah. What about Tropic Thunder? Um, no, because I just think that that's totally um, uh, Ben Stiller's baby, and I I wouldn't even mess. I mean, mess, could mess with it to even think that Jim Carrey could. Well, because because Carrey would have to get all muscular. I mean, I mean, let's be honest. Like Stiller got all roided up, for lack of a better word. And again, he plays kind of a a, a lampoon, a caricature in uh, yeah. *Tropic Thunder*. And I don't, I don't think that, I don't think Carrie could have got muscular for that, nor do I think he could have pulled it off nearly as well. What about like um, Dodgeball? I think Dodgeball is such a great performance by Stiller. Um, yes, but I don't think it would be his, it wouldn't, it wouldn't fit well. It wouldn't fit his, as well as uh, Stiller. Being I think it. Stiller. I think Stiller is great in that movie. I think it's. Yeah. One, I would say that in Zoolander and Tropic Thunder, to me, are his best roles. What about Along Came Polly? Um, no, I can't really see Carrie with uh, Aniston. Okay, what about the uh, Night at the Museum movies? Uh, no, I don't see Jim Carrey doing something like that. Playing the straight guy because again yeah. he plays kind of a loser in that in those movies too. Okay, well, give me uh give me some of Carrie's movies for Stiller. Um, Ace Ventura, Pet Detective. No. Why? He doesn't have the physicality. Stiller does not have the physicality. Stiller cannot move his body and his face the way peak Jim Carrey could. Next. Truman show no why i mean I, he he can do the earnest role and i think in that movie carrie is kind of earnest and down the middle so I, I suppose he could do it i just don't think he would do it as well as carrie did yeah probably not um the majestic it's the same kind of role mm -hmm. carrie does it better eternal sunshine Stiller couldn't have done it. He he could not have done that. That mold that he can't act against Kate Winslet. Kate Winslet is a much better actress, and Carrie definitely holds his own. Um, yeah. I'm going to Carrie really fast. To me, like Liar Liar, Bruce Almighty, and Yes Men are all essentially the same movie to me. They're all like pretty the same much, time of pretty much. But I do like them though. I do like those movies. So I would tell you, Stiller couldn't have done Dumb and Dumber. He could not have done The Mask. Could, could Stiller have played uh, Man on the Moon? No, no, no. I mean, because Carrie's a great impersonator. Okay. Yeah. 
Okay, so let's move on then. So I think Carrie's Carrie's got the physicality and he's got the wider range overall than Stiller. Yeah. Stiller's a great writer. Stiller's a great director. And Stiller, I think, is a more intellectual of a man, of a person than Carrie. Okay. Work. Okay, let's do personal life. I'll start with Stiller. Stiller's Stiller's had a pretty boring life compared to, to compared to Carrie, but he was uh I mean, get get this run of, of women, beautiful women that he dated. Talista Flockhart, Allie McBeal before she was famous. I think she's attractive. Amanda Pete when she was younger, like whole nine yards, Amanda Pete. Jean mm-hmm. Triplehorn, tall, leggy, the firm Jean Triplehorn. Yes. Those women. Then he gets a Christine Taylor, who he put in a lot of his movies like Dodgeball and Zoolander. I remember her from the Nickelodeon show, Hey Dude, that took place on a dude ranch. Cute little blonde. They got married. They had a couple kids. And what I love about their stories, they separated and then got back together after COVID. And you don't see that often. Um, McDreamy, Patrick Dempsey did that as well. He he and his wife separated and they got back together. But I love the fact that he and Taylor got back together. And as of recording this, they're they're together. So I think that's right. Great. All right. Uh, tell, us, tell us, Carrie, we got three minutes. We got to go fast. Uh, Jim Carrey married Melissa on March 28th, 1987, and they divorced in 1995. They have a daughter named Jane Carey. Uh, then he married Lauren Holly, the beautiful Lauren Holly at the time, uh, September 23rd, 1996. Uh, divorced in July 29th, uh, on July 29th, 1997. So that was a very short-lived marriage. Then he popularly... Um, or notoriously dated Jenny McCarthy for a very long time mm-hmm. and they broke up. And then I, for some reason, I don't know her name, but I, I do know she's an Irish woman uh, whom he, he dated for a very long time, much younger than him. She committed suicide and there was a big controversy over that and how Jim Carrey was going to fund all of her, her, yeah, and that was dismissed. The, the, the family so, was saying that he was providing her the prescription drugs that she used to kill herself, but that, all that was dismissed. So I think it's best not to bring that up because yeah. So I just wanted to bring up that. Okay, just really fast because we got two minutes. We have two minutes. So really fast, she he's he, been was with Renee, those women. he was dating Renee Zellweger, which was very famous, and he's come on record and said that was the love of his life, and he regretted screwing that relationship okay. up. And he's just got, January Jones. He dated who was quite beautiful, the Mad Men woman. So he's gone through a lot of women on and off. So in closing, who would you rather be? For me, Ben Stiller. It's just easier because Terry's got more range and more talented, but he's got demons. And this is not who has a better career, who we think has a better career. Who would we rather be? Stiller seems to have his crap together. He seems pretty smart, down to earth. And I'd rather be him. Jim Carrey, I think, has got tons of demons. What about you? Yes, I would rather be Stiller. He comes from good ilk. Yeah. His father, Jerry Stiller, was on uh everybody Yeah, he was great in that. So yeah. long. And so yeah, yeah I, I, he's got a solid marriage. I believe he has kids. Yeah, two kids. Um, so yeah, I would much rather be Ben Stiller than the than the demons that Jim Carrey. Okay, so really him. quickly, who do you think has more talent on the screen? I do think Jim Carrey has a yeah. bit more talent. Yeah, he does. I, I would say he's got a lot more talent than Stiller on the screen. I mean, Stiller's got a unique thing that he can do when he was younger. But I mm-hmm. think if you look at the overall range, Carrie's got a lot of, a lot more range 
But Stiller's, Stiller's, Stiller's hit rate is just phenomenal, especially 20 years ago. And I think he's just obviously a better writer and he's done directing work, which Carrie has. Right. I really admire Stiller as a writer and I admire his direction too. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, we both agree. May, I appreciate you coming on. I appreciate you talking about everything everywhere all at once. Sure. Your opinion on that. I'll talk to you next time. Okay. Okay, Gregory. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to The Cinema Rag. Please post an honest review on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. Check out the episode notes to visit our website and to make a donation. Lastly, follow the rag today. Until next time.